Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Book Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. Welcome in everybody, this show is Christopher Rennie bringing you another episode of the Buck Off Podcast with Land Grant, Holy Land. As always, I'm joined today by Jordan Williams. How are you doing today, Jordan? Uh, I'm, I'm doing good. As always, the football gods are blessing us for moving the show to Thursday. So I just feel I'm in a good place. I mean, we can't really do better than the news that we've gotten. Just in general, it was going to be a good show. It was going to be a good day. Things are, are good in Buckeye Nation, but it's like the football gods were like, here, content. So I can't complain. And this weekend's my fiance's birthday, so that's going to be fun. Got some good plans this weekend. So, I mean, hey, it's uh, I, I'm doing great. How are you? I mean, it sounds like it's going to be a good time. I, I mean, I ever since we moved our recording to Thursday instead of Wednesday, I just feel like – We've been getting that Wednesday night news coming in, which would happen when we were recording. Like, I couldn't imagine doing the show while Nick Saban said that stuff because the show would have been scrapped and we would have just had to be like, (laughs) yo, we'll do this another day. What's happening? (laughs) Uh, And then when I I woke up this morning a little late, I woke up at like 8, 8.30 today and, or yeah, to record and not to record the show, but, you know, to get to work and stuff. And I saw Jimbo Fisher called an emergency press conference. I'm like, you know what? It's going to be a good Thursday. It's going to be a lot of fun as an outsider of this incredibly vindictive back and forth between two coaches. Um, But yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, everything's good. Uh, Enjoyed some good food tonight. Uh, Already kind of excited. You know, these are the type of days that make you really wish you could skip to September and I have to remind myself, I still got to enjoy the summer before football starts. But, man, I mean, we've got a lot to talk about today. Like, the 
the football gods, man, they just know when Buck Off is going to record and they're like, hey, here's some awesome stuff to talk about. Facts. The only thing that, like, I never wish we could jump to September, and it's literally for one reason and one reason only. The absolute worst thing about football season is it brings in winter. And yeah, so it's true. It's like, as much as I want it to be football season, I need this summer. I need some warm weather. Um, I need to wear what, what the what the kids are calling hoochie daddy shorts, which is hilarious. Uh, I don't know if you've heard that, but it, it's that. hilarious. Uh, you know, like the 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 like five four and five inch seam shorts that became popular in the last year or two for men. Yeah, I mean, I don't own a pair that short, but I, I'm in that seven inch range. I'm getting out, they're getting up there again. Yeah, well, the the shorter ones people are calling hoochie daddy shorts. That's hilarious. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. So, like, yeah, I need um, I need a good summer before football season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's been it's been a, it's been a really nice May. Obviously, I think the rain's helping cool it down, and then it gets really hot again. Then we've been getting a little rain, so it's been kind of a really good weather cycle for the last two weeks. Uh, but yeah, I, I think we just got to get into this. I, I mean, we know you guys love to spend as much time with us as you can. Two hours of a show's a lot. Uh, we're going to get into it. You know, Nick Saban on Wednesday night was at some sort of booster function with the basketball coach and a bunch of the higher ups of the athletic department. And it was just kind of a Q&A about the current state of the program. Uh, one of those places, you rub elbows, you get your donations for the football program and stuff. And we know that's much more loaded than it used to be. Like, just in one year since NIL was allowed, that is much more loaded than it used to be, a meeting like that. So Nick Saban goes on a tangent about how uh, – Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M shot up the recruiting boards. They had the number one class. Alabama is the number two class. And they bought every single player in their class. Which, you know, it's one thing for uh, Ohio State fan 4268 to say that on Twitter. (laughs) But hearing that come from Nick Saban's mouth really shot my ears up. And I'm like... You know, I in my lifetime, I don't think I've ever seen a coach take that direct of a shot at another coach. No, they literally, they literally never do. Um, it, coaching is essentially a boys' club, and you know, you don't want to talk bad on another coach. You don't want to provide any fuel because whether you believe it's real or not, being disrespected and things like that. Unless you're Michigan with the uh, what was it called, the rivalry tour, the revenge tour. The revenge tour. Yeah. Unless you're Michigan with the revenge tour, typically, you know, like being extra motivated helps. So you don't want to provide any extra motivation or anything like that. Uh, but then also, and, and this doesn't matter for Nick Saban, but for most coaches, you never know when you're going to get fired. Yeah, so like for other coaches, yeah, for other coaches, you never want to talk bad about Nick Saban because you don't know when you're going to need to be in the Nick Saban coaching re- rehabilitation program. So, yeah, for multiple reasons, coaches don't ever, you know, also it's like they all have worked together because it's a, definitely a boys club. So it's like you say something about one person and, and somebody else is pulling skeletons out your closet. Like, oh, really? You remember when you did this? You remember when you said that? And you remember when you were here in this place with this recruit or with yeah, this they person? Could, or doing they could this go thing? on for hours. They could go on for hours about this stuff. Like it's back and forth. It's incredible. And I think, you know, baseball is a sport with unwritten rules. And I, I don't think 
think football really has a lot of unwritten rules on the field, but off the field in coaching trees, there are a lot of unwritten rules on what's okay to talk about, what's okay to say, what are we all kind of discussing when it comes to this and that. And, you know, I, I think someone tweeted it out. It's like there has been an honor amongst thieves for coaches in the SEC for as long as the conference has been in existence. You don't talk about other people's business. You don't dig into someone else's closets for skeletons because odds are if you looked in the mirror, you're going to find the same thing. So, I mean, think about how mad people were uh, when we found out that Clemson – they felt like we lost the offensive lineman because Clemson said Urban Meyer was going to retire soon or yeah. something like that, which which happened to actually happen, which is crazy. Although it did happen after that dude went to the draft, so Urban would have been there for his entire time. But like one of, I think one of the unwritten rules is you can talk up your program as much as possible, but you don't dirty Mac. You don't dirty recruit. You don't take shots at other coaches. And when we found out like Clemson was doing that, there was like outrage. I think like people at Ohio State mentioned it, like not super broadly, but like it came out somehow. So like there was conversation about it. So if, if people didn't like that, you know what I mean? Like how do you think like call it like calling someone out by name and essentially saying not essentially actually saying that they bought their whole recruiting class is um it, it really like i just think like we're in such an interesting era of college football uh obviously i think you said it before show nick saban 70 like and jimbo fisher said it himself he plays by a different set of rules like uh, everyone made him the czar of college football when you have every advantage. Like, you you could kind of do what you want. He said that. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like... I, 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 I do just, think it's funny for a school in Texas, to say a that school that paid so... Gave you, like, a $100 million contract to pull you away. The from, contract that uh, changed all of coaching contracts. Yeah, like, to pull you away from a, a school that you won a national championship for you to say that. Like, oh, when you have all the – like, you have all the marbles. That's why you went to Texas A&M. Like, Texas A&M is pulling out buku bread. Like, Alabama don't got much more than you. They're just better than you. Like, yeah. that's not a – like, that's a stupid thing to say. <laughs> like, Tennessee can say that. Alabama, Texas A&M cannot say that. But yeah, it's – I mean, and that's kind of the funniest part about this whole situation. It's like um, I, I have this segment called Pot Calling the Kettle Black. It's like, all right, you guys are at two incredibly rich historic – or I don't want to say historic, but really rich football programs. Uh, you, there's no innate disadvantages for either of you in recruiting or in NIL. Like this is really actually kind of an even playing field between the two of you. And I, it's just – I The only – yeah. It's just kind of it's it's two old men men getting mad at each other because of egos for the most part. If we're being honest, because no one wants to be nobody wants to be like Nick Saban feels like he's the best coach and recruiter in the country. He probably is. So he his ego is bruised because someone got a better time class than him. But they did it in a way that he felt wasn't right. Like, Nick Saban wasn't mad when Georgia did it because Georgia did it in the same way Saban did it. So it's like, all right, we just got to be better. We lost that. But, like, let's be honest. Whether you think it's cheating or not, 
and Nick Saban said it was, and nobody likes to be cheated. Like, if you yeah. feel like someone's doing something and you did it the right way and they cut corners, like, I no one's going to feel happy that. about that. And, but I don't know. I'm just going to say it. I know we talked about it before, show. I don't think Saban's wrong. I think Saban said the quiet thing out loud. Um, I think people are mad that Nick Saban said it. But at the end of the day, Nick Saban hasn't said, didn't say anything opposite than what Ohio State coaches have been saying. You listen to all the recent media, they've all been calling for guardrails. They've all said it's the wild, wild west. Um, They all said that, like, none of them have issue with recruiting, but they don't want it to be inducements. Both, Both of the Ohio State collectives have said that they do not contact recruits and they don't believe that they should be able to contact recruits. It's all about the players that are on the roster, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's essentially what Nick Saban was saying up until he decided to call them out. But like, I also don't think, I mean, maybe you think he shouldn't call them out, but he also wasn't wrong because Texas A&M has never recruited that well. And it's things that doesn't make sense. Like you don't have four or five players from the same position in a single class. And they had four or five, and I'm actually going to get the the actual right number, but they had four or five top defensive ends, including one who um, reclassified to be a part of that class. And you can't sit here and tell me that you think that happened naturally. Yeah. Like, and like I, A&M just had a year. <laughs> like, I will say, I don't think it, I, I don't think Texas A&M cheated at all. I don't, because I think they did do it within the rules. And regardless of, because like, like everyone's kind of been complaining about the last two weeks, the rules were not very explicit. So, there were a lot of gray areas to maneuver for football programs and all of that stuff. And as long as recruits were not actually paid money to come to the school, like they once they get to the school, it doesn't matter. You could pay, you could have any endorsement deal you want. But as long as the high school kid wasn't recruited with cash, they did it. And I think Texas A&M being the first program to like just be like shameless and all in with like Tennessee's doing it this year. Uh, they caught a lot of like flack at the beginning of this offseason. But Texas A&M being the first to do it, it definitely raised a lot of eyebrows. If a team like Ohio State or Alabama did it, who's cons- or Georgia, who are consistently in the top five of the recruiting classes, people would have been like, oh, yeah, well, rich get richer. But it was Texas A&M. Uh, I don't think they've ever won a national championship. I could be wrong. They might have some unclaimed ones. They might have a claimed one from like 1918. Don't quote me on that. But – Recent success, I think they've lost 12 games over the last three seasons. Like yeah, the I mean, they performance, only won four games last year. The on-field performance does not warrant the level of recruiting class that they brought in. Even if you want to sell me on the pact, like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity for you to play immediately. You already brought it up. Nine people coming at the same position. Uh, it, and there's just a lot of dynamics around it. And that's why I thought it was rich. Like, and we're going to get to Jimbo Fisher's emergency press conference because I think that's freaking hilarious. But it's just – it's it's rich coming from – like, it's rich that Jimbo Fisher's playing a victim here. Yeah, which is hilarious. Listen listen to this class. I think some people forgot. Five-star defensive lineman. Okay. 
So they they five star defensive lineman, second five star defensive lineman, third five star defensive lineman, fourth five star defensive lineman, a high four star defensive lineman. That's at I think I'm at five. Um, another high four star defensive lineman. That's six. So they had four five star defensive linemen, but then they also had two five star. Hold on, did I do that right? They also had one, two five-star wide receivers, a five-star quarterback, and a five-star cornerback, and like that, like and a, a very, very high four-star safety, as well as a high four-star offensive line. Two four, high four-star safeties, like top one hundred four-star safeties, a top one hundred, like. Like it's just it's getting ridiculous. Like like even saying it is getting ridiculous. Yeah, and like trying to keep it in my mind is like like it's come on. Like they were just so prepared for this like NIL stuff and I it's not like it's definitely a gray area of morals, but that's where college football lives. That's where college recruiting lives. Um that's where being successful comes from is being able to toe that line of greatness and uh, that additional stuff. Like, you know, I mean, think about baseball. There's a tons of players who took PEDs who have never been caught. Like if you can get away with something, it's, it's, it's really, it could take a program like Texas A&M from being kind of a mediocre, like the third or fourth most notable program in the state of Texas to, a perennial powerhouse and they towed the line with it on the NIL stuff. They signed an elite class. Saban's mad about it. Everyone in the country's mad about it. Saban said it out loud. Now it's time for everybody else to use those advantages until the guardrails are in place. Yeah. I, I, I would just like to say, to clarify, they did not tow the line because I just counted. They they signed 20 players in the top 115. That is not towing the line. Yeah. But to your point, there are no guardrails, so they didn't cheat. And I just feel like you can like it, you can dislike it. At the end of the day, it's your world. job as a $9.5 million coach is to put your program in the best position to succeed as legally as possible. And what they did was legal. So I get why Saban's mad about it. I get why Jimbo is mad at what Saban said. Uh, I think Jimbo just got out there and flat out lied. Um yeah, I don't I know mean, if you can be that mad when you did buy the recruits. Like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like if, it's, if you steal something from Walmart and someone says you stole something from Walmart, you can't get mad at them for saying you stole what you did steal. Like, you know, um, but like yeah. if you if you if you stole your best friend's girlfriend and get married, and then like a couple years later they're like, yeah, did you know that I dated this girl first and he took her from me? You can't be like, this is my wife. Like I signed her. Like we're married. You can't say that. But you did steal her. Like that. That is yeah. actually fact. So I don't know. It, it's definitely. I, I mean, and I like like everyone. It was definitely a big story. Texas A M's class. It still is. Obviously, we're having. Uh, we're we're an Ohio State podcast. We're probably going to do 30, 30 minutes of talking about it. So, I I, I just think it, it's it's. We're in a place, man. It's it's fun to talk about not being a part of it. I think 
this is an example. Like the SEC's already reprimanded both of them with that little, you know, public statement. <laughs> it's not actually <laughs> reprimanding. But uh, I just think I'm looking at Jimbo Fisher. I'm looking at that. I'm, and I think you brought up a point about uh, Jimbo lying. Like Jimbo said, he has no business with the with the uh, God. What are they called? The foundations. Uh, He's lying. And Everyone knows that's every, a lie. Every single coach. No, not a single coach, not a single smart coach in the country, I should say. And and that's giving a lot of coaches a little more credit than they probably deserve. But not a single smart coach in the country is going to say, oh, yeah, I've worked directly with the foundation or I've definitely worked with the Aggie land money laundering scheme. You know, like it's not really uh, it's not smart. It's not good business. None of the coaches are communicating with it, but. The, there's there's definitely an idea, and I think that's where you see when you see it recruit or someone's name get tied to it. I think it's really like there's a reason with a lot of news stories you can't talk about minors and stuff, and it's to protect their identities and all that. And I think we're kind of towing the line with some of this financial stuff into going into like some very immoral areas as reporters, and it's just, there's just so many issues with this stuff. And to say like, oh yeah, uh, I mean, no coach is ever going to say that they've worked with a foundation, but we all know what's going on. Like, there's yeah. no way. I these, think there's a, and there are probably some. Like, I, I don't want to bring this guy up because I I absolutely despise this man, the Ruiz guy from Miami. I think he's like the like dirtiest type of booster you could be, and like we all know what's going on. He paid $400,000 for Nigel Pack. Like, we know he did that. Yeah. I think, you know, there's a difference between not admitting it and straight up acting like we're stupid, though. Because one, one of the examples that you we hear a lot, like, so on The Athletic, they wrote a story about it. And one of the examples that they give, like, they did an anonymous survey, so people started talking about money. And one of the examples was a three-star defensive lineman who got $500,000. And they they essentially what they're saying is no collective is giving a three-star defensive lineman $500,000 because you don't know if your school wants that. Ohio yeah. State is taking through stuff. Like, it's easy to say, like Sunny Styles, for example, it's easy to say five-star kid out of Ohio, we can give him money because he's going to go to Ohio State or Ohio State wants him. Obviously, that didn't happen, but I'm just saying you could say it's, that. Yeah, you can't exactly. take three-star defensive lineman from a random place in the country and say Ohio State, Bama, Georgia, Tennessee, Texas, and whatever is going to want them because they only take certain ones. So to give that kid money, the coach had to tell you that he is a player that they think can play here. Yeah, and I, I, there's definitely that balance of, like, there's obvious ones, and those are <clears throat> sometimes not even the ones that you want to pay. And then there's those kids that are flyers that you're throwing a class at. I don't even think the foundation's – I keep saying foundation because that's Ohio State's, but I don't even think the collectives know that kid, honestly, until he commits to Ohio State. Yeah, because, I mean, we call ourselves recruiting experts, and we're going to wear the hat, but there are multiple kids that you've never heard of until they go on a visit. And then you research them, and then yeah. you look into them. Like, like, did you – like? I didn't know Bryson Rogers until he came to Ohio State because he's not a high-ranked recruit. Yeah. And then I was like, you look into him, you watch his film, you hear him talk, you're like, okay, there's something about him. Nobody, like, literally no one knew Chris Olave. 
until they went to go see a quarterback and they're like, who the hell is this wide receiver? Yeah. So like these the guys, these guys who are who running business time jobs and run these collectives are really doing that deep work into recruiting? No, I don't think no, so. No, they're running their business, which is giving them the freedom to pay a million dollars to a 17-year-old. Like, yeah. And that's that's kind of where I've kind of – like, and, and to build on that, coaches don't want to work with the foundations. They don't want to know what's going on there. They just want them to follow – a code of conduct that isn't going to be detrimental to the team. Pay players who are on the roster. Don't pay recruits who are coming in here because what if it doesn't work out? What if someone hears through the, uh, I don't even know, like the term, like, you know, that old game telephone, you start hearing yeah. things and you know, the message keeps getting passed. And Hey, this kid comes and he's got a $400,000 NIL deal. Like I don't have one. I'm the starting left tackle. This kid's, the fourth string right now. Why is he getting four hundred thousand dollars? And it breaks up the water. What why happened at Miami? Like, yeah. Like, why would you coach one day? It's like you know, Ohio State didn't go after him, or maybe they did, and it just didn't work out. But it's like whether you agree or not, right? Because me and you have feelings about it, and I don't want to steal too much from later in the show. But it's like. Do you offer Jordan Addison a million dollars? And how does that make a make a Buka, Julian Fleming, Marvin Harris? How does it make the guys who are up next and have waited two or three years feel? You know yeah. what I mean? And like you telling me Schottenstein didn't want to go and and unload the Brinks truck for the Bolitnikoff winner? Like, you know what I mean? Like it just yeah. you can't do it without some directive because these guys don't really know football and they're just going to give it to the guy that they know and they're going to rely on these ratings and these things like that. And, and Ohio State or Alabama or all these other schools are going to be like, this is not a guy that we want here. And the last thing a coach wants is some rich guy meddling in the day-to-day business. That's how you become Texas football. Uh, <laughs> You you really don't want them involved because, oh, hey, I paid this kid $400,000 to get on this team. Why isn't he playing? This is my boy. You know, this is my kid. I got him here. They don't want that to happen. They don't want. Which is literally what Nick Saban said. He literally said that. I'm watching, <laughs> I'm watching Friday Night Lights right now. This show was ahead of its time, by the way. If you guys haven't, go rewatch some of this stuff. And it, it's, it's actually – kind of funny looking back on that through the lens of where football's at now. And I'm just thinking of like a guy like Buddy Garrity uh, being the rich booster there, like JD McCoy, that whole storyline is that. And it's just really funny. And it tears the locker room apart. JD McCoy leaves the school. Uh, it's a 10 year old show. So no spoiler alert here. Uh, Matt Saracen gets the starting quarterback job back. Then the rich guy kicks coach Taylor out. So it's wild, and that's that's where college football is at. It's it's Texas high school football, but on a grander scale, uh, with more money somehow. Actually, maybe not, depending yeah. on the school. <laughs> maybe I don't know. Texas right. high school football got some money laying around. You see them stadiums. Yeah. All right. I think we've done the business part of this conversation, right? I think we've kind of covered the NIL aspect. We covered the coaches aspect, but I I, I watched the whole press conference of Jimbo Fisher and I, I don't know and I don't know if I like can even say this but when southern people get mad the diction their vocabulary it's incredible to watch and listen to and just like I, I some of the stuff he said was almost incredible like all right this one was <laughs> this one was awesome 
And just, I'm going to try to do a Jimbo Fisher voice. If it goes bad in the first one, I won't do it anymore. But he's like, you can call me anything you want to call me. You ain't calling me a cheat. I don't cheat and I don't lie because I learned that when I was a kid. If you did, the old man slapped me upside the head. Maybe someone should have slapped Saban. That is just – that was gold. Like, like, that was gold and the most sudden thing you could ever say. Like, when I lie and cheat, my dad slapped me, so somebody should have slapped him. Like, when I heard that, and I'm just sitting there watching it on my phone, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, he's going after Nick Saban. This isn't just some, like, press conference to, like, deflect blame, you know, kind of say – we're not going to get involved with this sort of back and forth. No, like he really wanted to get involved with the back and forth. Yeah. But the best part about it is he said that while actively lying. Yeah. Like, again, I'm not saying he's wrong for lying. I'm just saying he was lying, which yeah, I keep pointing that out because that makes it so much funnier than me. Like, where is your one, dad to slap you on the head? <laughs> there's one slip up I heard. And he's like, he's like, we didn't buy every player in this. Uh, we didn't buy all the players in this. Uh, we didn't buy every player. He said something like that where it's like, so did you buy all the players in this class or not every yes. player in this class? And I'm like, maybe not, maybe not some of the three stars. You know, there's a couple yeah. of three stars in there. Surprisingly, they may not, they may have came naturally. But when you said the that, five and, defensive linemen. Yeah, you bought them. <laughs> when you're angry and you hear those slip ups at your subconscious coming up, and I'm like, so I mean, what I'm hearing is you might have bought all these players. Is kind of like yeah, a few of them. <laughs> but, like like five five star defensive linemen, two five star wide receivers at a place that like name a Texas A&M wide receiver that's not Mike Evans like can you name any of them actually God you know they had a lot of players I liked last year that played wide receiver but I can't name them right now and that's probably just my brain being so getting two five-star wide receivers at a place that is not known for wide receivers like are you still getting recruiting wins off of Mike Evans like really yeah you're not you're not and I don't know their receiver coach maybe he's one of the better ones in the country but still uh, if you can't if you can't name him or I can't name him, he's not that good. Yeah. Like not that we know everything, but like I think we would know if he was really like if he was someone to be, you know, first talked about. Uh, this one was good. Uh, some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his deal. You may find out about a guy. A lot of things you don't want to know. That is just the most <laughs> veiled Southern threat I've ever heard. Like. Well, that's my absolute favorite one because if you dig too deep, you're gonna find some deals that quote unquote God did while Jimbo was on staff. You gotta give him a time cut off. You gotta say I, I've got a follow God up. did in twenty fourteen, not not when I was there. I've got a follow up to what you just said. Uh listen, you coach with people like Bobby Bowden and learn how to do things. You coach with other people and learn how not to do things. There's a reason I ain't been back to work for him with opportunities. Don't want to be associated with that. Okay, you're absolutely lying. You haven't been with them because somebody paid you $95 million to be a head yeah, coach. Been a head coach like, since... the last time Jimbo wasn't a head coach? Like, yeah. what are you talking about? <laughs> you're going to leave your cushy job where you won a national championship to go be a saving assistant? It's. I mean, uh, this one's good. Uh, my dad has always told me this. When people show you who they are, believe them. He's showing you who he is. And I think that's when he did the water bottle where he drank it and set it down and did his crazy stare into the camera. And I'm like, okay, like Jimbo is – if Nick Saban was in the room, this would be a slap box right now. Yeah, yeah. That like – I mean – 
and someone would win because the rings, but yeah, <laughs> somebody pointed something out that makes me laugh. They said he slept on this. <laughs> So imagine how mad he was the night before. Like he, oh, he was yeah. mad in the morning after he called the press conference. Imagine how mad he was the night before. You know, <laughs> like, like, when he I, first heard about it. like there are so many times where I've gone to bed and I'm like, ah, oh, I'm so mad about this. And I wake up in the morning. And I'm like, ah, oh, new day. So like <laughs> the idea of I and I know Jimbo Fisher slept because he showed up late to his press conference that he called. Uh, Funny enough, and that's the most college football thing to do. Emergency press conference, 11 a.m. shows up at 11:08. Uh, but no, yeah, no, about that right. is so funny. You pointed that out. Like he was, he slept angry. He woke up angry. He went to the press conference angry, and then he spoke angrily. And that is, that's, I mean, to give the SEC credit where it's due, when they say it means more, this is the type of stuff they're talking about. Not like the on-field <laughs> stuff. It's just. It means more, man. Uh, there's some other good ones. Uh, go talk to coaches who coach for him. You'll find out all the parody. Go dig into wherever he's been. You'll find out anything. Once again, back to what you said. I don't think you want that, Jimbo. Yeah, I, I don't think you want that. Also, Nick Saban keeps winning and giving people jobs. I don't know that you can find that many coaches that are willing to talk about him. Yeah, no. if, we're just, if we're just being honest here, like, hmm, make Nick Saban mad and potentially never get another job in the industry or just not say anything and continue to have a place to go if yeah. and when I get fired. And I, I think Jimbo's past the point of where he could be blackballed, but like if you're on the Texas A&M yeah. staff, you're not past that point. No. <laughs> no, uh-huh. you're not. Like there are like three coaches on the saving tree that's past that point, and it's Jimbo and Kirby, two coaches. It's yeah. Jimbo and Kirby. Everybody else can come back. Because none yeah. of the other ones are really that good. Yeah, so. like Kirby's too big to go back. Jimbo's too big to go back. Um, I, I think Lane's probably a few more successful seasons for being too big to come back and getting like other head coaching jobs if it does fall. Yeah, apart. but Lane was literally just there a couple years ago. Yeah, so. well, that was more. That wasn't because Lane was like a dumb football coach. That was because Lane was a dumb person. I mean. Yeah. yeah, people need image rehabilitation for a lot of reasons. Sometimes it's because you yeah. lose too many football games. Sometimes it's because uh, you get left on a tarmac because of off-field issues and a bad football record. It doesn't. It doesn't matter why you need rehabilitation. Saban's taking you back. Yeah, if you can coach ball, he'll take you back. All right. Uh, and last thing here, this was WWE nature. Like this was exactly like. I, I tweeted out when this Jimbo Fisher press conference started and he just started going on this tangent with all those old Southern, like he crossed me once, shame on you. You crossed me twice, shame on me type of stuff. And I'm like, this is college football. And this is why it's the beautiful game. Best yeah, it's just like, it's, it's just funny. Cause you expect it from like certain people, but getting it from Nick Saban makes it so much better. Yeah, like if Lane Kiffin said that, I don't think anyone would have batted an eye at all. No, they're just like, ah, it's Lane being Lane again. Gus Malzahn says it. They're like, oh, yeah, guess crazy Gus over there, you know, that type of stuff. Oh, he's yeah. just bitter, you know, like whatever. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's a good time. It, college football, as we've said every single week on the show, the news cycle is that keeps on giving 
Honestly, I think the only way it could have been funnier if it came from Lincoln Riley, who actually was recruiting everyone. <laughs> like, anyone with a pulse can come play at USC right now. And that's a smooth transition, actually. So, uh, Jordan Addison today, if you guys were paying attention to college football news outside of Nick Saban and Texas A&M, beef, um, Jordan Addison did commit to USC. I wrote an article about the rumor of that Texas blog saying he's waiting for a call from Ohio State. I, I said in the article that it's pretty unsubstantiated, probably a bunch of nothingness, but it, it did lead to some fun things to talk about. And I think when he made the commitment today, I responded to someone and said, yeah, the reason it's probably taking so long is because of those rumors that came out about tampering. So he had to go and do a full recruitment just to end up at USC. And that's exactly what happened today. Also, it's fun to be wide and dined, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I think when you look at Jordan Addison, it, it's – I don't think – even when you look at some of the highly valuable sort of transfer players like Jackson Thorpe, like Justin Fields when he was a transfer, these quarterbacks tend to take the high value. But this is by far, I think, the most accomplished player – in the last five years since transferring became really mainstream to transfer. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I can't think of a lot of a of another guy who transferred that won a trophy. Yeah, I, like I mean, Eli Ricks was pretty accomplished, and and technically, if you want to be honest, both of their accomplishments was really one season because I didn't. I'd never heard of Jordan Addison, but I don't think Eli Ricks won a trophy. I mean, he maybe he was an All American, but like this dude was like. I still think wrongly, just to slide that out there, but this dude was awarded the best wide receiver in the country as a sophomore, like yeah. not pro eligible. Like for him to get up and leave is, is it's really kind of shocking. Like, you know, yeah. And you don't expect that. You know, I like Pat Narduzzi's never been a guy where you hear like bad things about like players that I know, like, I, I don't think I ever heard, I don't hear many negatives about Pat Narduzzi, you know? Uh, they lost their offensive coordinator. Uh, his buddy, Kenny Pickett, went to the draft. There was a lot of moving parts. And then also the opportunity to go live in Los Angeles, California, make some money, play in a fun offense. Um, lots of stuff involved there. But I, I think uh, with that, it doesn't make USC any better. They just got another fun toy to play with. Uh, yeah. Because they still I mean, don't have an elite, they don't have any tackles on their offensive line, and their defensive line, uh, they have players that aren't much bigger than me. Yeah, I mean, and speaking of USC, right? Because before people say, "Oh, you sound stupid," USC had Michael Pittman, who was a high second round pick, and just uh, in his second year in the yeah. league, caught a thousand yards, uh, which is not easy to do. A thousand yards oh. is a lot, especially uh, with Carson Wentz as your guy. Uh, yeah, they have Amon Ross St. Brown, who I don't know his stats, but had a really good season for the Lions. Yeah, and, and then they had Drake London, who's just the number eight pick. Yeah, and they did nothing with it. Like that's that's two that's two first round caliber lineback wide receivers. Michael Pittman fell a little bit just because that kind of happens because you know 
Chase, uh, Jamar Chase yeah. and stuff was in the draft. Yeah, Michael and, Pittman's not like a freak athlete. He didn't have that same size as Drake London. But USC has put out a long list of successful receivers in the NFL. Lincoln Riley's put out a solid list of receivers in the NFL. Uh, it, it's 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 not a bad place to end up if you're a receiver, which I think is what we were getting at here. Like, yeah, is this a bad place to end up if you want to win? Yeah, if you want to win a national championship, you've still got a little bit of time. Because I, I mean, he's totally overhauled the roster, and you know, I have much more ill will towards Lincoln Riley for whatever reason in my body. I don't know why. I just don't like the guy. Um, but he had 42 transfers come in. His roster is only like 71 players right now. Like, that is not an easy thing to win with with that much turnover. You've got a lot of different cultures. You've got a lot of people who are going to be vying for spots to play. It, it, It really can implode on itself immediately. And when you've got Alex Grinch running the defense and you've got pretty well established football programs, because I think a lot of people look at Oregon and think, man, they've got a new coach. But Mario Cristobal did a really good job of creating stability, not only in recruiting, but in – They still have the best roster in the Pac-12. They do. And, and Landing, for the next couple of years. Landing will have like a like, – he'll have a three-year runway to really build his program where Lincoln Riley had to come in and revamp everything because Clay Helton – when you're halfway out the door every season and the boosters like, we want this guy fired. And then Lynn Swan saying, Hey, we can't fire this guy. Like he's got a huge buyout and it's my fault. Uh, Clay Helton's not going to keep trying to raise the level when he knows he's going to be out either way. Uh, so you're really kind of in a depleted roster situation. And Jordan Addison's going to be a fun player. He's going to be a big star in LA. He's got Caleb Williams throwing him the football. And Caleb Williams is a talented quarterback. Um, I'll be the guy to say it. I'm not a Caleb Williams fan, but I deserve the right to see him play in the second year. I think he's overrated, and I think his season this year really depends on how much work he put in the offseason. And as a 19-year-old kid in L.A., it's probably not that easy to put in work. I don't think he's that good. I don't think I, he's bad. I think he I has think an incredibly high ceiling, but I agree that like there were some issues last year that really stood out. And I think he relies a lot on his athleticism and he has poor footwork, which happens with a lot of really young athletic quarterbacks. But you're right. I, I, it's definitely – it's a proven year for every single person there. Lincoln Riley yeah. left a really good situation to take on this challenge of USC. You know, he brought over coaches from Oklahoma. It, it's interesting. And Jordan Addison is joining that. And, you know, it was either that or Texas. Those were the two it really came down to. And he chose rebuilding with Lincoln Riley in Los Angeles over a fun college town in Austin with Steve Sarkeesian, who's kind of doing the same thing as Lincoln Riley, just another year further ahead. At least with USC, you know Caleb Williams' floor as a quarterback, still probably a top 30 quarterback in the country. You really don't know what you've got in any of the quarterbacks in Texas, regardless of their recruiting rankings. So it's – he, his choices weren't perfect, but I think I think he's going to be a fun player in a fun offense. Yeah, I mean, I was going to watch them anyway, but I'll definitely be watching USC games. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that kind of takes me into something I want to talk about a little bit on the show. It just like the rumor from Texas, that Texas site, the pay site that said Jordan Addison was waiting to hear from Ohio State – 
really got Ohio State fans riled up. And my first thought process was like, you know, I would not be shocked if Ohio State was interested in a former Valentinikov who had almost 1,700 yards of offense last year and uh, like in the 20s in touchdowns total. So I, I really just don't know why people got so worked up over it. And I get it. Like, there's a talented room there. And that's kind of what I, I want to talk about. Like, if you're a football program that wants to win a national championship – like a player of that caliber entering the portal, you have to at least consider it, right? Yeah, I agree 100%. But the one thing we've learned about Ohio State fans, especially with like the recent transfers with like the linebackers and stuff like that, is Ohio State fans love potential. I think they love potential more than they love the players on the roster. Like, I think Ohio State fans are more excited about the guys coming up than the guys who have shown it. Like, this is a bad example because, like, I get the hype, but like, no, I can't even use that example because that's just a really – I was going to say people are more excited than C.J. Stroud than they are Tyme Eichenberg, but that's just a terrible example because so am I. Um, yeah. Um, what's a, what's a real example? Um, uh, it'd be like say, like everyone's really oh, excited for Sonny. People are more – or, yeah, Sonny's a good one. People are more excited for Sonny even though we saw what Ronnie Rock and Hickman – or actually the thing, that got me, the, the thing that got me supposedly yelled at where I'm like this – asshole podcaster people are excited for court williams who has never done anything despite what we've seen from ronnie rocket hickman where literally i had a guy yell at me multiple times because i said it's not guaranteed that court williams starts and even if he does start he's not going to take ronnie's spot he's going to start somewhere else like ohio state fans are in love with potential and i think they could care less for the people on the roster yeah, and I, I, I mean, I, we've seen that. Like the newer guys are always who people want to see. Like we saw CJ Stroud last year; uh, he struggled a little bit. The brain clicked immediately. We got to see Kyle McCord, or we can't win a national championship. I just saw Jordan Addison. I didn't think Ohio State was going to take him. I did not. I didn't think he was going to. I didn't even think it was really in the air, and that's why I was kind of shocked to see that text article. But I'm like, you know, if I'm an NFL or not a college, uh, not an NFL program, a college football program, and I want to win national championships, I need to fortify my roster. I need to minimize the risk. Because when you look at the receivers remaining after Jackson Smith and Jigba, there is 450 combined receiving yards. And Jordan Addison, regardless of how you feel about the ACC, regardless of how excited you are about the potential of the young receivers, has already proven that he could be a number one target in a high-level football conference. And it's in the, it's a Power 5 conference, so there's talented recruits in it. And he did it in – and like he, he was an awesome football player last year. There's not uh, – Jillian Fleming could become a 1,600-yard receiver. I'm not saying he can't, but we know Jordan Addison could at least be a definitive safe number two option for Jackson Smith and Jigba if that situation did work out. And I think Ohio State fans, like you said, get so excited about potential that sometimes like you forget about reality. And like we said, like Eli Ricks, everyone was mad that they didn't even give him a call, Right. And that's and we saw how that worked out. But you can't have it both ways. You can't be mad when you're not taking defensive recruits. You can't be mad if they inquire about an offensive recruit. It's just really I just think 
if you're a person who wants to win a national championship, you call the former Boletnikov winner and you hear him out. Yeah, because at the end of the day, right, it's not like it's a scrub, right? Like, like okay, like Alabama took Jameer Gibbs, and they needed Jameer Gibbs. At Ohio State, you don't call Jameer Gibbs. Because you have Trayvon like, Henderson, Mayan Williams, and Evan Pryor. The only running back in the nation that you maybe call is um, uh, B. Sean Robinson. And personally, me and you've talked about this. I like Trey better. You like Bijan better because you think he's a little bit more stout, which is fair, I, and I think that's true. Uh, I think Trevion has a higher ceiling. But at the end of the day, those two are the two best running backs that have entered college football yeah. in the last Ferrari five, and ten years. For being honest, like it, it's it's literally uh, honestly, we should have had both. <laughs> like you know, so like maybe you call him, maybe. And probably not because of what Travion did. But you don't call Jameer Gibbs. Like, you know, but at wide receiver, you call Jordan Addison. Like, yeah, you did. It's it's a position where there's a rotation. You want five to six guys on the who can play on the field. And that's right. Like, Ohio State has four guys I believe in heavily. They've got five guys if Julian Fleming can stay healthy. And I think six, seven, eight, like, you're still really talented. But if you have Jordan Addison as your third or fourth guy – at worst, like your room's better off for it. The five players who are probably going to play are going to play a lot anyways. And you're a better football team because of it. And that's kind of where my head was at. And it's all, it's all, it's all hogwash with Jordan Addison. But in the future, when you have the uh, man, and when you have the opportunity to bring in players of that talent, you at least have to think about it. But I will say the tweet, uh, our fellow LGHLer sent to the Slack with Darren Ravel. Uh, the national championship in the NIL era will be won by the coach who can somehow keep his locker room together. And that is probably the approach Coach Day is taking, whether you believe in that or not. Because I'd much rather have the roster stay consistent and hope the players develop into the five stars that they are projected than have to be doing what Nick Saban's doing where you have to go out, get Jamison Williams, uh, Henry Tuotua every year, or go out like this year and get uh, Burden, uh, what's-his-face, Jameer Gibbs, the receiver from Louisville. Like, he had to do all that again. He had to reload from his reload in the transfer portal. Like, that's not sustainable long-term, regardless of who's doing it. No, and I think if you asked Nick Saban, he would very much not want to have to do that every single year. It's just that's currently where his roster is at certain positions. But at the end of the day, like, you talk about keeping the roster together and things like that. Georgia just won the national championship and had players who played for them transfer. Like, if winning a national championship is not enough to keep you, like, play, like guys are just going to transfer. Like, that's just, just, that just is what it's going to be. But at the end, like, it's like, it's like, you know, we talk about Eli, we talk about things like that. Everyone's going to forget that when Jordan Hancock um, and Ja'Kalen Johnson are balling out and Kai Stokes is returning interceptions for a touchdown uh, and blowout games and stuff like that. Everyone's going to forget that we didn't get that guy. And so it's just like, you know, relax a little bit. Yeah. But I don't know, man. Jordan Addison is different. He's got a trophy <laughs> for the best. And I don't care. Yeah. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith and Jigwell all probably get drafted higher, but he won the trophy. Like 
he's going to be a first round pick probably at worst a second round pick you don't that talent just doesn't grow on trees yeah also my thing is this we just came from a room that had three first round picks on it you're gonna complain <laughs> like, yeah. you, like you're gonna complain like come on now like what are you talking about and i i am the world's biggest marvin harrison fan I've become a coach fan and i hope he if he's half the player his dad is, was like we have a great player and the nfl is gonna get a great player but marvin harrison as your second player is great marvin harrison as your third player and I don't know if Jordan Addison is better than him, but he's done more. Even if Marvin Harrison is your third best wide receiver, do you even know the wide receiver core that you have? And then a Mecca Book is your fourth, and Julian Fleming is your fifth. Like that, like the the rotation at that position is ungodly. If that is your wide receiver rotation, and honestly. It's better than the one last year because last year you had three receivers you trust. In this scenario, you have like six. Yeah. And that's just that's just where I, the only reason I'm having this conversation now is because I just think as a fan sometimes we as fans of our teams we lose common sense with like the belief in our team and we just can't look outside the bubble and I just want sometimes and I don't need you to do it every time just take a step back look at the whole situation just every once in a while you know, every once in a while here and there and you know. That's really what I want because next year there's going to be a huge receiver prospect in the portal, and who knows? We we might need them, and I don't want Ohio State fans to get mad at me for being uh, on the right side. I think because like I wrote the article and today like it wasn't even an article about actually getting Jordan Addison. It was an article about why Ohio State should always consider a player like Jordan Addison, and half the comments were don't need him, and I'm like what? How can you say you don't need him? <laughs> This was a straight face. Uh, we can finish this up. We got to take a quick break here. Uh, give a word to our sponsors. It's been a fun show. I'm having a lot of fun. The next half is still really fun, so don't go anywhere. We'll be back before you know it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back in, everybody. This is your host, Christopher Rennie. Uh, this is the Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant Holy Land with Jordan Williams. And we've had an incredible, honestly, a very modern college football conversation today. Transfer portal, NIL beef with two coaches. And like to go back, I, w- I want to finish up the transfer one real quick. But to go back to the the coach beef. Like I, I honestly never saw Nick Saban or Jimbo Fisher getting into a direct spat with another coach like this, but like, this is something you expect from Lane Kiffin at Orgeron. 
you know, there's there's coaches you look at and you're like, and the way they talk to the media, you're like, okay, like I can see that happen. Did not see this one coming. Yeah, not not at all. But I, I like to point out that Nick Saban's seventy and think about your grandparents. I think there's just something magical about the, the age of seventy where you just say like F it. Like I'm gonna say whatever I want to and who's gonna do anything about it. And then imagine being seventy with like a million rings. And like hundreds of millions of dollars to your name probably. Yeah, like I am not trip. I am yeah. not disparaging your grandpa, but your grandpa is 70 talking whatever he wants to and he worked in the factory his entire life. Nick Saban is 70 and he has millions of dollars in the bank and um like 10 championship rings, a million conference championship rings. Like maybe I can work. number like yeah, like 17 number one recruiting classes like the man is 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 different and an institution like, of the sport. It's just it's different with him. Uh but yeah, and then on the transfer thing, there's going to be a lot of good transfers. You can't get mad at them not going after one, then get mad at the possible idea of them going back to another because you like what the coaches put in the room. College football is all about maximizing winning now, and you do it on a year-to-year basis. And that's what I just wanted to make clear with my article in that conversation about Jordan Addison, and Addison was more – the lightning rod for the conversation to spark. But overall, if there's a five-star transfer prospect, according to 24 seven sports who has a legitimate position award, regardless of what it is, if you're serious as a football program, you take a look. Yeah, always. And that's really all I want to say. The last thing I have to say about this is when Ohio state is doing this next year for offensive tackles, uh, and I know some of you don't care about the offensive line, except for when you can't get a yard. When Ohio State's doing this for offensive tackles, don't complain. I promise you it's necessary. There's a reason that stud got fired. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And they will be in the transfer portal. But they have to be. And it's going to be a lot easier next year than it was this year. Because this year we have two starters. So it was hard to get a guy to say, like, hey, we want you to come here, but you're not going to start immediately. Next year they're going to be like, our right tackle spot's open. You can start immediately. And that guy's going to be like, huh, Ohio State, I'll be there. Sign me up. I just hope it's a guy with at least two years left and not a guy with. Like, if there's another version of the FIU – like right shirt freshman tackle next year, I'll jump for joy. Like, give us a guy with a couple years that's going to start immediately because we need it. Give some of the other guys some time to grow because they need it. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Uh, yeah, let's get back to Ohio State for real, not uh, figurative conversations, not SEC coaching wars. Uh, let's get to Ohio State. It's it's been it's been fifty five minutes here. Uh, we got to get to a real Ohio State conversation at some point. And we're putting our recruiting hats back on for this one. It's the recruiting topics I came up with this week. Nothing crazy this week. I, it, so when I was kind of like digging through kind of recruiting news to talk about on this show, like really it's just the same stuff as last week where they're like a bunch of players are scheduling their visits for the end of May, beginning of June. We're already getting some visits in the fall. You know, the list goes on like everyone's scheduling visits right now. That's the news. And, you know, football players not in Ohio are ending spring practice. So they're getting ready for their summer dead period. Um, and, you know, there's just not, it's not a big recruiting mover time for any of Ohio state's targets right now. 
And I, I just, there's a few things we got to touch about. So uh, this week on the Around the Oval podcast with Alex Gleitman, he had Chase Basantis on, and he is looking to schedule his visits. And from all indications, it sounds like Ohio State's on the list of schools he wants to come visit. He's already taken an unofficial to Ohio State. I think he did it in March or February. Uh, this is big. I think when we, we just mentioned it, like you mentioned it with Stud, there's a reason he's not here. Chase Basantis is probably not the guy I have as one of the front runners for us to land at the tackle position. Uh, but I, I think this is the type of momentum you need and just having the opportunity to get him in the room is big. Uh, Michigan's also a team that's recruiting him. So as long as you can discredit Michigan enough to get him to not go there, it's a recruiting win, even if you don't land him. Uh, I mean, I, I, I he hasn't scheduled his visits, but I kind of wanted to take this opportunity to talk about the tackles altogether. I think this just shows Justin Fry has his targets. He's doing everything he can to have that elite recruiting class we talked about last week. And just hearing that momentum coming from the visits and them announcing like, Hey, I want to take this visit here. Hey, I want to take this visit here. Uh, and I think I'm just excited. I think this is a good sign for the fry guy. Yeah, I agree hundred percent because, and I, you know, I err on the, on the side of optimism, but also with recruiting in general, the most important thing is always getting them on campus, especially when you're Ohio State. You know what I mean? Like getting them on there's how I can't name the number of recruits that have come. And I won't say this happens more than others, but maybe it does because Columbus is beautiful, especially compared to some of the like, like Alabama is a great school, but Tuscaloosa has nothing on Columbus. So maybe it does happen a little bit more than other places, but I can't name the number of recruits that have come to Ohio State and just been so impressed by the visit that it swayed them. Yeah. I mean, we had two last, last year, year or within yeah. the last couple of years who canceled visits to Alabama after they came on campus. So the biggest thing is getting them on campus and getting them in the room. You can text them, you can call them, you can FaceTime them. But when they get on that plane or they get in that car and they pull up at the Woody and they see all of that, there's they a chance. Take them- across campus, across the Lane Avenue Bridge, and you see that stadium for the first time, it does give you some chills. And you get to put up, you get to take the pictures, you get the volunteer sign, they're showing you how much money people are making in the pros and all the guys and all the history and all that other kind of stuff. It, it starts to talk to you a little bit. It does. And it's, it's the most important thing, getting the on-campus visit, especially if you get the last visit it's so important it's your opportunity to sway if you have the last visit i know we talked about like hey coaches have this sort of like we don't disparage program there's a difference between disparaging and comparing like justin fry gets chase basantis in there uh example here and he's comparing them he's competing with hey Rutgers. like oh well we beat those guys every year like that's not really throwing shade that's just speaking the truth like who is the last offensive tackle you saw from there go to the NFL? Like, that's the type of stuff that is said and compared, especially when you've got the last visit. Because you could be like, hey, I don't really want to dig deep into these graves and talk about what they are selling you. I want to sell you on this school. And you, you, you kind of get the feeling of what other schools are telling you just by the way they're reacting to what you're selling. Yeah, you know, and, and I'm not – 
I, I want to clarify, recruiting is recruiting, but there's a difference of like Nick Saban's 70, he's going to retire and leave you hanging and da-da-da, this, that, and the third. And just saying like, you know, I will, I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to have offensive tackles all time to the NFL. They've put out. Yeah. yeah, like there's a difference. So, um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's important because I don't want to say this about every single guy, but there are guys that we've talked about and that we will continue to talk about that stud is not getting in the room. Like, even if he doesn't get all of them, like stud is not getting the trio of, of Basantis, um, Akulola and Olaf. Like he's not getting all of them on campus. Now, we still have yet to see if, if if Fry is getting them all on campus, but if he does, like again, I said it before, I don't think Stud gets Austin Saraveld because he's just a guy who just didn't seem like he was coming to Ohio State. Yeah, he took his committed. time with his recruitment and he visited all three of the schools multiple times, and it was a legitimate battle. Saraveld, Saraveld. is going to Notre Dame. Montgomery was for sure always going to Ohio State. You could just kind of feel. I could have gotten Montgomery here. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, and I'm a fan, not on the staff. Uh, <laughs> as a fan. Josh Padilla was that way, uh, and that in this class, like there's Ohio State guys where like you you send the off. There's Ohio kids where you send the offer, done deal, sign them. But and those are studs guys. Those are the guys studs killed it with because me and Jordan could go into the offensive line room and kill it with some of those recruits. And that's yeah, not that's not to discredit like good recruiters. Like it's still incredible work to like identify, sell them. But overall, there are just some players who want to play at Ohio State, and if you're winning football games, it's not a challenge to get them. Uh, yeah, and I just think this is this hearing Basantis mention Ohio State as one of his potential destinations is huge. If he does decide that, that means he's a very serious. Because he's got a top eight, and he, I, I think another thing he said was he's not cutting it down any further. He's just going to take his visit to make a choice. So we're not going to get an additional set of information from him before he makes his well, decision. We'll get, we'll get a top five when he schedules his That's, um, yeah. That'll official be like, visit. He won't call it a top five, but when you can only go five places. That's your top five. People don't. People rarely commit to a place they didn't visit. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's a big one. Uh, offensive tackle recruiting's of the utmost importance right now, especially with one of the offensive tackle recruits in Montgomery being a guy that you're not sure he's 100% a tackle. Like you need to get two out of these three guys, and getting them on campus is the first step. Yeah, 100%. Uh, two out of three at minimum, because I mean we need them. <laughs> we really need them. You need tackles. That's a one position I am going to hammer as priority numero uno for the next probably three years. Yeah, especially because there's a chance that all three of the guys that we got now are all inside guys. Yeah. Uh, which is why we said, hey, might be hitting the portal for top uh, five, four or five star offensive linemen, but conversation for another day. Uh, next on the recruiting topics list, we've got Troy Bowles officially scheduled his visit for the end of June. Uh, I think it's the weekend of the 26th through 28th. Everyone said the recruitment was dead. That's what I was told. And I said, hey, maybe not, guys. Troy Bulls interested in Ohio State, maybe. Other experts were talking about it. Uh, I believe it was on Kevin Noon's Southern Swing. They actually spoke with him, and he said, yeah, Ohio State's very much still involved and vindication. 
Uh, Jim Knowles. Uh, actually, I think Perry Eliano is very involved as a primary recruiter on this one. But Jim Knowles is the defense coordinator, so he's going to be touching every defensive recruit. Uh, but that Florida connection with Eliano, Walt, and the staff has a lot of connection to Florida. Uh, this is big time. I think Knowles has a vision. Everyone knows his vision. Knowles has visions for players, and he can speak them very clearly and tell them exactly what he wants. Uh, a combination of Bowles and Curtis plus Arvell um, Reese from Glenville in Cleveland, like that's our linebacker hall, if we're being honest. So once again, before I pass Isn't that already, guy? Uh, getting him on campus, huge step in that direction. Isn't there another guy they're looking at? Yeah, they've got like four or five guys in the mix. Uh, I think that's my dream three. Who's who's the linebacker from Alabama? Or is that the wrong state? Uh, I don't think. No, that's probably the wrong state because Tackett Curtis is from. Uh, you've got Reed Aguirre from Georgia. That's who I'm talking about. Oh, Ram. Ram. sorry, I'm a dyslexia. Uh, I don't really have it. That's kind of actually something I shouldn't say. But uh, yeah. So Raul Aguirre is someone who's heating up with Ohio State. Uh, there's there's definitely some names out there, and there's definitely some backup plans. Um, I think I just think there's a legit shot that like I, I don't know how many they're taking at this position. I, I assume three, but you know they I wouldn't be surprised if it's more. Yeah, I would, the thing that surprised. I was going to say, the thing that I was going to say is for the next two years, and it's only going to be for two years because eventually you're going to have some guys who are starting with some years left. For the next two years, coming to Ohio State to play linebacker is going to be money. Like yeah. it's going to be money because there's nobody in that room worth talking about, essentially. And I'm not trying to be mean, but there's nobody in the room worth talking about that is not a freshman. Essentially, no and this is someone who has came around on Tommy Eichenberg. So, like, for the next two years, they're going to be able to say, "Listen, you can come in and start. It's not guaranteed, but you can come in and start." There's two years for sure. You have Sunny Styles, CJ Hicks, Gabe Powers, whoever comes attack it, Curtis, whoever comes in this class. You're no longer going to be able to say that, and then it's just like regular recruiting. But for the next two years, offensive tackle and D- and linebacker are money because you can come in and say, listen, everybody in front of you is either old and sucks, which is not exactly what they're going to say, or they're young with no experience. And as much as I like C.J. Hicks, and I don't think he's going to get beat out, in a recruiting pitch, you can say, this guy hasn't played yet. Yeah, he has a year on you, but you could come in and be better than him if you are better than him. And not saying that there's many that's going to be, but a kid is going to think that they're better because that's just what they yeah. do because they're confident. 100%. So, hey, like that's why that's what CJ Hicks was a big thing with his recruitment. Uh, he said it very forwardly. He said, "I want to come in and compete to play immediately." Like that's the type of room you have right now. Uh, so I'm very excited to see who they have. Uh, you know, Troy Bowles is coming at the end of June. Uh, Tackett Curtis is coming at the end of June. And I need to remind everybody, uh, Steve Wiltfong, the man himself with the Fong bombs, has Tackett Curtis crystal balled to Ohio State. So we'll see. USC's got a shot before Ohio State gets them. But I, I just really think Knowles has been on him for a very long time. Pre-Oklahoma State, that's a big one. I think rebuilding the relationship with Troy Bowles has taken more time than a lot of people assume, but I think it's there. And I think 
Troy Bulls having an NFL coach as his, as his dad really sees Ohio State as like, hey, you know, you can come play for me one day, son, if you go there. And that's just kind of where my head's at with those two. Yeah, I always felt like Tackett Curtis and Troy Bowles were going to be Buckeyes, um, and I still feel that way, to yeah. be completely honest with you. I think, you know, and we're not even the most stars and different things like that, et cetera, et cetera, you know, whatever. You can say whatever you want to, but for Tackett Curtis to be the first guy that was offered by Ohio State defensive coordinator Jim Knowles and on the first trip that he took, that shows a kid how special they are. And that was to the potential detriment of A.J. Harris. No, not A.J. Harris. What's the corner? The corner the that was mad. His dad was mad. Oh, and like he can't reach out to you. It's the recruiting dead period. The um the guy that you know said he could possibly go to Cincinnati. Uh yeah, no, that's AJ Harris. It is AJ Harris? Yeah. I don't know why I thought AJ Harris was oh, a different dude's name. The guy who everyone was very high on. Yeah. 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 Like like to the potential detriment of getting A.J. Harris, that's how big, you know, because A.J. Harris probably would have liked being the first guy Jim Knowles talked to, and instead it was Tackett Curtis. I think that carries a lot of weight mm-hmm. because I think Tackett Curtis was going to go to Oklahoma State. And, I mean, hey, uh, Ohio State is a much better – it's the much better OSU. Yeah. No questions, no complaints here. I mean, my degree reads the Ohio State University, which is the OSU, not OSU. So, um yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a lot of momentum there. And that kind of takes me into the next conversation here. Like, I'm starting to feel a lot of recruiting momentum. Like, you know, I, I'm like one of my our running bits on the show, I'm a recruiting expert. I just say stuff and then I always back it up with, hey, but it's recruiting everything can change, you know. Uh, the idea that Ohio State's involved with so many top 100 players and there are people like hey uh ohio state might not be one of our one of the people we always talk about uh ari he's always like i don't know what they're gonna do this year they've got a penn state class well it's very aggressively building momentum towards being one of the best classes in the last decade yeah i i think the one thing that i'll say about that is i think that ari's forgetting is it's hard for him to say that when Almost no top 100 players are committed. Like nobody has, no one outside of Notre Dame has a good class right now because no top 100 players are committed anywhere but Notre Dame. Like you go through the list, and I've gone through it multiple times. Most of the, like, I think I counted it where over half of the players didn't even have like a 100% where it's like, oh, they think it's a silent committer. He's probably going there. Over half of the top 100 players just have nothing. Yeah. Like you have to click into their name to even see who they're warm on. And so like no one has a good class because no one has committed. So it's like, yeah, the only position I am not confident there are two positions I'm not confident about in this current class it's corner because I just haven't really heard a whole lot about corner and there's just and I don't know a, a lot yeah. in the vicinity that Ohio State kills it in and you know like three or four of the top 100 corners are in the state of Alabama yeah and I'm worried about offensive tackle and that is just um, residuals of stud. I'm always worried about offensive tackles because we never get great offensive tackles that are not from Ohio. So until there's like two recruiting classes of us getting it, I'm just always going to be concerned because 
we've been at this point a million times where it's like, okay, we got all the guys we want out of Ohio. Now, if we can just get one guy from out of state, we can just get one, one guy, guy from out of state, and we never get him. So I will forever be worried about that position until there's nothing to worry about. Yeah, and uh, we broke our rule. He, we did say his name. We're sorry, guys. Oh, man, that's my fault. <laughs> It's a passion conversation. It's it's the reason we live in fear on the offensive line. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but yeah, I I just I'm just excited. June's going to be a big recruiting month, Uh, and after June, you know, you're going to start seeing commitments get lined up. So that news is going to carry us to training camp. Training camp's going to get here. You're going to get those nice conversations like, ooh, who's going to be the player who surprises everybody come this fall? Ooh, you know, those ones that we love. But, like, really, you don't want them. You just have to read them because that means you're inching towards football season. Um, But we're right there. And this next month of recruiting news and hearing all these crystal balls start getting dropped, and it's going to be a fun time. It's going to be next – 31 days are going to be fun. The 30 days after that are going to be fun. And then we're back to the countdown towards, I think it's September 4th when Notre Dame comes from South Bend to Columbus to take on Ohio state. So we're, we're right there. We're right there. People. Uh, I think it's under 120 days. We're getting close to being under a hundred days. Like it's coming, it's coming and recruiting gets us there. Yeah, for sure. The one thing I would say that I'm excited for this summer and I'm excited for every summer is who is this year's hero canoe? As in the guy who no one knows about till he comes to a camp, gets an Ohio State offer and commits. Like, like nobody knew here. And and I'm not talking about a foreign-born player because that's what we're talking about. It's Elias Lennon, and I think we'll get him because I think that I think the guy who runs is it PPE? Was it PPO? PPF, um, I think. PPF, Premier, whatever it is. The guy who runs the overseas football camp, I think he really respects Ohio State and how Ohio State treats his players and things like that. Uh, because regardless of talent, there are a lot of people who are going to be elitist of American football and not trust a recruit that they've never seen play American football. Um, and so I think we have an end with him. And as we've talked about before, Ohio State is just that program that gets ends in the weirdest places. Like, yeah. why did we have a recruiting run in Seattle? Like, like why does that? No why did we have a, unturned. Why did we have a recruiting run in St. Louis? And like, yeah. before you say anything, St. Louis don't have that many prospects, and we got all the good ones out of St. Louis for a while, including one of the best running backs in Ohio State history. Also, I'm pretty sure Jameson Williams is from Bukie. out that way. Bukie Cooper had so. a solid year in his first year playing at Mizzou last year. Like. There's been a ton of good players from St. Louis. And I mean, as always, credit to Mark Pantone, his staff. They do an incredible job of identifying reasonable targets for Ohio State, uh, getting information out there to recruits in front of recruits and making recruits feel needed. And that's the job of the personnel department. And they do it incredibly. Yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to see who the kid is that just kind of blows up out of nowhere and gets the Ohio State offer, and everyone is, like, scrambling to try to find his film, and then he commits, and everyone's excited about him. I agree. That's always fun. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, recruiting, we're done. We could take our hats off. Uh, didn't put the recruiting expert hat on today, no predictions for me. Uh, but 
this was fun. Uh, all the uh, the contract extensions for a variety of coaches. And no, we're not pocket watching. Uh, this is a respect conversation. Uh, Ryan Day, head football coach, got an extension. Chris Holtman, head basketball coach, extension. Kevin McGuff, the women's basketball coach, got an extension. Nick Myers, the lacrosse coach, got an extension. And Steve Rolick, the men's hockey coach, got an extension. Two names I've never said on this show. Uh, Kevin McGuff has gotten a mention on this show. Uh, but I'm excited. I think I think Gene Smith um, – I'm trying to think about how to say this. He demands excellence from all his coaches – and all these coaches have provided incredible amounts of stability while building a culture that represents Ohio State well. And some of them have left something to be desired. I'd say Holtman, uh, Myers, lacrosse coach, have left a little bit on the table at times recently. But overall, I think Gene Smith is saying, hey, if you maintain the culture, if you're competing on a year-to-year basis, we're going to trust you to continue building your program. And continuity – and maintaining the Ohio State brand at its elite level is important to Coach Gene Smith, or not Coach Gene Smith, Athletic Director Gene Smith. And I think that's exciting. I think the way he rewarded every coach, and we knew Brian Day was going to get a raise. They couldn't do it right after the season with all the other coaches because, well, we know the game he lost. Uh, Chris Holtman, I don't, I don't care what the haters say. Uh, I know you're less involved with basketball at Ohio State than I am. Chris Holtman has made the tournament five times in a row. He's made the tournament like 12 consecutive years in his coaching career. There's not a lot of coaches who have done that. Um, His recruiting classes have improved every single year he's been at Ohio State. So really the trajectory of the program's on an upward incline. So that's awesome. Kevin McGuff had to fight through sanctions last year for players who weren't even on his team. It took three years to – dish out the punishment, and they gave them a postseason ban. Comes back this year, makes a nice run of the tournament, beats one of the higher-seeded teams in LSU. Uh, an awesome run for them. Uh, I, I haven't watched much lacrosse, but I believe they made the tournament this year. As the final seed to get in, there's only 16 teams. And then men's hockey barely just missed the tournament this season. But once again, they were competitive until the end. And that's that's the Ohio State fight song, fight till the end. And that's what all these coaches did. Yeah, I think the only thing that's surprising to me is that the women's hockey coach didn't get an extension for winning the national championship. But I think that's partially like that's no disrespect to her. I think it's partially because she's a new coach. And so she's probably not even eligible. Like this is only yeah. like her second year here or something like that. It's probably and, it's, it's in the works. We probably understand that. But yeah, it's like she's going to get one. But it's like if you're like not anywhere near the end of your contract, unless you're the football coach because you just get one because you're the football coach, you don't typically just get it immediately. But she's going to get some. She's going to get some money. Like, she's yeah. going to get some. Um, yeah. The only thing that I have to say is I could care less about contract extensions. I don't think any of them deserved it because they're all multimillionaires. But I don't think any of them didn't deserve it because they do a good job. Like we talked about before, I was like – I don't care if Ryan Day gets an extension because he makes seven and a half million dollars and he's rich, but he's going to get one because that's just what college football is doing. So yeah. for all the people pocket watching, for all the people complaining or this or that and everything like that, for be happy. 
I guess the I guess the only people that aren't happy are the people who feel like Ryan Day should make more money than every coach in the Big Ten, which I also don't care about. I do think he's the best coach in the Big Ten, but I really just don't think it matters. Yeah. But like those people are probably unhappy. But if for some reason you care about coaching salaries, uh, you should be happy. The one thing I will say though about salaries is the head coach always gets done first. So there could be raises for staff. Yeah, because I don't I, think I, that's been announced yet. Has that? I, I feel like Ohio State's assistants were already handed out their raises. I think that happened <laughs> after the season. You're right, but I think they, they, they were. I think they're probably right with the other ones. They just weren't announced. Yeah, because they, I did like in the in the article that had the. Um, Brian Day stuff in it. It also had the other football coaches' salaries, and it showed the difference in their salary. And like, yeah. you know, and uh, Brian Hartline got like two hundred thousand dollars because he got the passing game coordinator and some things like that. But yeah, um, so they probably did good things already. Yeah, and I, I mean, Ryan Day. He's been to the college football playoff. You know, he's won a playoff game. He's done everything you could really ask for the coach. The win streak against yeah. Michigan was bound to end at some point. Like. He's like thirty-two and four overall, yeah. or thirty-six and four, something and four. I know for a fact it's only four losses. It makes him tied with Mel Tucker for, I believe, the highest-paid coach in the Big Ten, and it just puts him behind Nick Saban and Lincoln Riley. Which Lincoln Riley, I don't think, deserves to be the second highest-paid coach. But I'm not pocket watching here. He isn't. Isn't James Franklin the highest-paid? Uh, no, he got. He got eighty-five. He got, the, he got 85. treatment. Uh, no, he got the raise. You're right. He got the Jim Harbaugh treatment. Then he got a raise after he committed. No, Jake Franklin didn't get the Jim Harbaugh treatment. That was Scott Frost. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Right. But he got 10 years, 85, not 95. Yeah. Isn't that next year? Uh, so, yeah, him and Jim Harbaugh, I think, make the same amount of money. Which Probably. is funny. Uh, which makes sense. If we they're, they're the same the tier of coach. Uh, Chris Oltman, this kind of made a lot of people mad, but he's the eighth highest paid basketball coach in the conference. So, uh, he's... Finished worse than fit uh, once. So, in reality, that's a bargain. Yeah, I don't know how much basketball coaches get paid. I I don't want to like like sound disingenuous here, but I was surprised uh, to see the women's basketball coach be over a million dollars, and that's definitely not a bad thing. I think that's the equity that probably should be there, um, but. It, it did catch me off guard, but that's that's awesome. I chose Gene Smith's investment into women's sports at Ohio State, and I think that's something you like to see from your athletic program. Yeah, I do think um, the thing that's interesting about the Holtman thing is there's a lot of Buckeye fans who aren't happy with him. And if you if you think about it, right, if you really want to consider money and performance and things like that, his pay probably suggests that um, they're not ha- not they're not happy with him. They're not super happy with him. They're paying like, him for I what think, he's done, right? Which is the eighth best coach because some of the other coaches are overpaid. Like, yeah. it's not that he's the eighth best coach. It's that some of the other coaches are overpaid, which always happens, and they're paying him consummate or whatever that word is. The right amount, yeah. what he's done. And that was a raise because he – I think you deserve a raise when you go deep in the tournament and you, you get to the tournament for the fifth time and you have a great recruiting class, like whatever. Uh, I won't say deserve. I don't think anyone deserves a raise when they make that much money, whatever. 
Um, but deserve yeah. deserve is a is a strong word, but you have probably earned that raise, is what I would say. But they're also paying him to what he has done, which is not win a Big Ten and not go to a Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, which I think exactly. And if he does do that stuff, you'll probably see him get into that five million dollar range with the upper echelon of Big Ten coaches, which I think is why it's a fair extension and raise. Well, like yeah. you said, I'm kind of in your boat. He already makes a lot of money. Like, let's put it in bonuses. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> and then I just don't know much about the coaching market in lacrosse or men's hockey to really comment on their money. Yeah. Uh, but, but all the coaches compete in the postseason, uh, and I like them all. I, I don't have I, – I really like every single coach on this list, so it makes me happy to see them being treated with respect from Gene Smith, and that's really what it's yeah. all about. And I think the most important thing in Ohio State is you want coaches who are good people. And it seems like all of our coaches are good people, which is why no matter how much you feel, how you feel about people getting paid millions of dollars, you can root for them in a sense because they're good people. Like, whether you've, like, I. Does Ryan Day or any coach in America need to make nine point five million dollars a year? I don't know, but Ryan Day is a good guy. So if anybody's gonna get it, like I would rather it be him than James Franklin or Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, or, yeah man. You know, I, mean, I don't like Jim Harbaugh. I don't. I don't think they're bad. I don't know if they're bad people. I don't know them that well. They're not my coach. I follow every day, uh, but. You know, at the end of the day, Ryan Day being the highest paid coach in the Big Ten with Mel Tucker. I like Mel Tucker, too. So, you know, good for those yeah. two guys. I like Mel Tucker. He definitely didn't deserve it. But, like, yeah. hey. I will I, say, I, and I hate like, saying that. Like, if, if someone's willing to pay someone $9.5 million a year, they've done something right enough to where they've convinced that person paying that much money. Uh, yeah, like, he but, was right to accept it. But, like, he but had to look at that job offer and been like – that's my offer. <laughs> it's like, all right. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I'd take it, but yeah. you sure? <laughs> you sure? Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think that gets us to our final thoughts. I want just a little bit more time with these final thoughts. Because I know you put you reposted your article about it. Um, I don't think they reposted it. I redid it, but I haven't seen them post it. Maybe I uh, missed it. Uh, I mean, sometimes with chorus, it doesn't really – it doesn't actually repost them, but it will put it back in the feed on the website if you oh, resubmit. Yeah, so you might have to personally thing. repost it, and we'll throw some retweets yeah. at it. But uh, official division changes. The bylaws have been dismantled for the betterment of college football. We mentioned it last week. We said it's, it's going to happen. Uh, it's better for football, but now it's official. It feels good. It feels vindicated. Um, it's starting this year. The Pac-12, I want to say 30 minutes after the NCAA released it, was like, all right, scrap divisions. And I'm going to be honest, they're one of the conferences where I'm like, you know, after you get through the California teams, it's really hard to decipher why – this is that. Like, once you get to Utah and Colorado and they're separated in the north and south, I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, no. You want to know what's weird about the Pac-12 thing? They actually the, didn't scrap divisions. They it's too soon to, No, it's too soon to scrap divisions. I imagine that they will, but all they did is get rid of the requirement. So, technically, two teams from the same division – could play, play in it. Well, that makes sense. For this uh, year. 
because it's too soon to like change the schedule. I'm sure for 2023 they'll yeah. stop it. But like, yeah, we're probably gonna have like, isn't USC and Oregon or like Utah and Oregon? Are they on the same side? Uh, Utah's south, Colorado's north. Or okay, well then never mind. Because I think you, I think Utah and Oregon are going to the Pac-12 championship. The Pac-12 yeah. championship. Which would question division on division? If that's what I'm saying. They are in the same division. It would be South versus North in that case. Oh, then it won't matter. Um, I guess if USC goes, then it might matter. But I think I think Utah and Oregon yeah. will go. So yeah, it won't yeah. really matter. But they are accepting the two best teams. Um, I think for programs in the SEC, that's going to be better for them. For programs in the ACC that are on Clemson's side and. In that division, it's going to be much better for their fans' emotional health with the rotation. Like, yeah, as always in the Big Ten. Like, how many times have we complained? Like, God, the Big Ten West sucks. We complain on we complain about that like eight times a season. Yeah, but as always, the Big Ten is going to be the last one to do it yeah. because their coaches came out and talked about it, and they're like, well, maybe we should wait until the playoff because I wouldn't want to change more than once. And then you have the guys talking about, well, history, well, history. And it's like, we don't care about your history. Just Dude, do it. Division started. So, it was leaders and legends, and it made no sense. Yeah, so they're going to um, – Big Ten is going to be the last one to do it, and the Big 12 are going to be idiots and be the ones that create divisions instead of getting rid of them. Instead of keeping it the way they are without <laughs> having it. So, like, that's going to be fun. But, um, yeah, the Big Ten is going to get rid of divisions, but the Pac-12 and the a- ACC will most likely do it in 2023. And unless it's tied to the TV deal, somehow the Big Ten's not going to do it to, like, 2026 because they're stupid. Yeah, and, you know, stupid or not, the Big Ten usually ends up making the most money. So, yeah. Patience sometimes is a virtue, even if us as fans are like, come on, just do it, man. Just do it. Because having that in negotiations, like, oh, hey, and we'll throw this in for an extra $10 million at school if we give you the rights to the first non-divisional Big Ten championship. Yeah, well, the other thing is just like, I'm not saying that he's not good at his job. Okay, I am saying that because I've said it before. I'm not saying he's not good with the TV contract thing because we just don't know because we haven't seen it yet. But he is at least slower than the old commissioner because Jim Delaney would have had the TV contract announced by now. And we don't we don't even have a timeline for when it's going to be announced. You, yeah. We hope that it's going to be announced in June at the Big Ten conference meeting. But... We don't know that for sure. Yeah. And, I, and June is when the presidents meet, and I think they have to approve everything. So you would hope it's done by then, especially because it ends in May of next year, because it ends at the end of the academic year. Yeah. Well, so it's got to be soon. It, obviously, the conversation, there's the football parts of the contract. There's the Big Ten Network parts of the contract. There's a lot more moving parts than just, like, the football <laughs> aspect. But at the end of the day, like, there are a lot of – different options now like you have obviously the main networks you've got all their streaming services to add options and diversity to the catalogs they can put your games on you have uh fox's ownership into the big 10 network like what's that mean if this comes up and then i I, fox is obviously going to put their money down it's really about the second partner and is it going to be a streaming service is it going to be amazon is it going to be like 
this could get crazy. And it could put some fans over the age of 60 into a loop. And I, I mean, I, I mean, I don't really care where the games are. I pay for way too many streaming services. But <laughs> I have all the ones that it's possible to be on. Yeah, exactly. Like, if they do Paramount Plus, which is not going to happen, it's like I, I'm going to be able to watch it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, at the end of the day, uh, I have no issues with it. I just want us uh, as as a Big Ten homer, and I don't do this often because I'm an Ohio State person first and. I never root for the conference, but when it comes to TV money, I just want them to make more than the SEC. And I think it is very well possible when you have multiple parties involved driving up the price. Yeah, that's crazy. I always root for the conference. I am a very much a Big Ten guy. Um, I don't think rooting for the conference takes away from rooting for Ohio State, except when we're playing each other. Because yeah, you know, what it is. But like, I root for the Big Ten in every bowl game. You know what I mean? Like, Except I want to win every bowl game. Oh yeah, we don't ever root for that school. So. If if like the Big Ten's like seven and zero, then yeah, I'm like, all right, we've done it. We're good. Let's get this thing. Let's go eleven and one. Uh, but if Ohio State and like if Ohio State wins their game and the Big Ten's five and four, and they're playing a team that I like, like if they're playing like. I don't even know. Just some random like group of five school that I've somehow gained some fondness for throughout the year. Like Nevada. Say Nevada's really good next year. And I'm like, I love Nevada. And they're playing like Rutgers. I might root for Nevada. Yeah. Well, I mean, I rooted for Cincinnati when they played Indiana. Yeah. I I think that's who they played. It's fun. But in most cases, I root for the Big Ten. I think think, um, that's good. Strength in conference. I understand it. But in general, I think – I mean, I am still not a Kevin Warren fan, to be completely honest. But I think there are some things that he can do that are either going to really make me dislike him or is going to, like, fix his – I don't want to say legacy, but, like, fix his image. Like, if he – like, let's be honest. If he just doesn't do – get rid of divisions, like, if he lets that happen, I'm never going to speak a good word of him ever again. Regardless of what the TV deal is, because that really doesn't affect me because I don't get no money off of that. But, like, the lack of divisions is actually genuinely interesting for fans. If that doesn't happen or if he doesn't change his mind and acquiesce about the playoffs – like where like if it's not possible to get the uh, conference champions as automatic buys, which I really just don't think matters, um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have an issue. Like those are the two things: get off your high horse with the playoff and make it happen, and get rid of divisions, and you'll have earned some good grace with me. Not that he cares, but yeah, uh, but yeah. yeah. I mean, I I don't think like a commissioner is someone I root for openly. Like, but they just make I mean, so much money. For openly, but like I like Jim Delaney. Jim Delaney was a good like. Yeah, I mean, they matter for thirty years. You're gonna have your misses, but he had so many hits that like, you kind of forget. Yeah, and and the thing is, like, people hate on Rutgers in Maryland, but that's why they make so much money. Yeah, at the end of the day, the commissioner matters because they they make a lot of decisions and yeah. they facilitate a lot of conversations that where your commissioner is at, like matters. I would, uh, and this is my last thing before we head out. I would take Warren over um, Bob Bowles. Is Bowlesby the uh, Big Twelve one? Yes. I take him over. He's stepping Bowlesby. down, but I would too. And honestly, Kov and Jim Phillips, because they are all just backing down to their presidents. 
Well, the Jim Phillips one is funny because Jim Phillips is the guy that everyone in the Big Ten wanted to sign uh, because he was the AD at Northwestern or yeah, somewhere. And associate. And he was like, yeah, he was next up. And then they yeah. went with the guy outside the sport and everyone was like, oh, my God, they didn't get the good old boy Jim Phillips. And then they let Jim Phillips go to Jim Phillips is taking money out of his conference for two basketball schools who are like, I don't know how this is going to affect the players academically. Uh, like that's always been the key driving force. So, yeah, I think of the Power Five commissioners, uh, I don't like Sankey, but I, I think what he's done with the SEC over the last like decade and a half has been – you can't really argue with it. Uh, but I, I don't think Kevin Warren has really done anything to be the best commissioner. So it's like he's not the worst one. No. And that's, that's the thing. It could just be the best of the worst. Like all the commissioners in sports could, could just be bad commissioners. And Kevin Warren is just one of the better of the bad ones. Like that's, that is highly possible. We're just, we don't have any good commissioners anymore. Yeah. Adam Silver, not great. Rob Manfred, not great. Uh, Roger Goodell, probably the most hated commissioner in all the sports. I don't even yeah, want to get into European soccer. They hate those guys. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Roger Goodell is one of the worst. No more divisions. Let's get them out of here. What a rule change. Shout out to the NCAA. Like we said last week, like, go out on a positive note. You guys are dying, but that doesn't mean you have to die without making the sport a little bit more fun on your way out. Yeah. The last thing that I have to say, just because we haven't talked about it, the other rule that they changed, they got rid of the 25 counter. Oh, yeah. Uh, you just have to stay under 85. That doesn't matter at Ohio State because we're almost always right at 85. But, like, for the biggest school, honestly, that it affects is Arizona State because they lost, like, over half their roster and then couldn't populate it. And so they have, like, 60 people on their roster. Yeah. But, like, it's also going to affect, like, UFC, where they just got rid of everyone, like, on their roster. Uh, but, like, in general, if there is ever a time when Ohio State has gotten a lot of attrition, they would be able to add extra players for as long as they're under. So there is a chance we're going to see some recruiting classes that have 30 kids in it. Probably, again, probably not Ohio State, but at other places. Yeah. Uh, more more often than what we saw last year with, with uh, whatchamacallit. And there's going to be room for more transfers. Because if you didn't know, you were only allowed 25 new bodies, including high school and transfer. So, And they did that because at a certain point in college football, they were like bringing in classes of 30, 40 people yeah, and like having hundreds of have people on the roster. Person roster. Yeah. yeah so. You can't do that. You can have as many walk-ons as you want still, I believe, but you can't have 185 people on scholarship. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I know. I think that's – I mean, I think that's a good rule change. Just It kind of moves with where college football's at. Like, classes are less important to the infrastructure now. And also with the transfer portal. I mean, like, Ohio State had so many guys, it's fine. But Ohio State lost 16 players in the transfer portal. They're not always going to have so many players on the roster where 16 is going to take 16 guys to get to 85. Mm -hmm. There's a chance that if they lose 16 again, it's going to put them at like 75 and they're going to need those 10 scholarships. And so now they would be able to make that up with recruits or transfers, however they want to. Yeah, I agree. Uh, 
yeah, I think that was something good to bring up. We could probably we could probably do a little bit more details on the NCAA rule changes next week, depending on the news cycle. Like that could have been a conversation today, but the Lord, the the football gods blessed us, and as always, I'm thankful. And that's my last thing today. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Chris Rennie CFP. You can follow the show at Book Off Pod. Uh, leave us a five star rating. I want to see our rating level climb. I don't ask for much in my life, but that would be nice. Jordan, where do we find you on social media? You can find me on social media at JordanW330. Uh, it's been pretty quiet on social media, but as we as things start to uh, pick up, I look forward to having some healthy conversations with, with you all again. So Quotations yeah. around the healthy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Emphasis. Uh, Exclamation but, point. But that is it for us today. We will see you guys next Friday. <laughs>